Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an Austerologist scholar who will be your host in this episode about Humpty Dumpty. I think we're all familiar with Humpty Dumpty. He was this egg. And I don't know why I know that, but I just know that he was an egg. Nothing in the song says that he's an egg, but it's like somewhere deep down in my soul. I've just always known what Humpty Dumpty was. And I bet you do too. He's an egg. And as the legend says, he had this fall. A great fall, as a matter of fact. And try as they might, the king's men could not put him back together. Humpty Dumpty had broken into too many pieces. The men couldn't fix him. Not even the horses could. And I didn't even realize that was in the job description of a horse. But apparently the king's horses, they were expected to be proficient in egg repair. This king sounds like a hard boss to work for. He has some really high standards, especially for his horses. We don't even have fingers, but I'm sure they did their best. But their best wasn't good enough in the case of Humpty Dumpty. They were not able to put him back together again. And then the story ends on a cliffhanger. Did Humpty live? Did he die? We'll have to wait for the sequel. And I can't help but think about Humpty Dumpty lately. As I've been looking at America over the past few years, things are falling apart. Now, President Trump had ran on this platform of restoring American greatness, and he was successful in some areas, especially on the economic front and on illegal immigration. But then there were other areas where he didn't address America's rot, such as in the FBI and social media. And I think those things got away from him a little bit. And then COVID happened. And it derailed even the good things that he had accomplished. And then President Biden was elected, and, and things now um, are getting worse. I think they're worse than they were before Trump was elected the first time. And I'm questioning whether America can even be fixed at this point, or if we're too far gone. And so I want to have some help today from my friend, Jarrett Frill, who we invited on the podcast last time. And uh, Jarrett, thanks for being with us to talk about the Humpty Dumpty administration. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I, well, I, I looked at the stats a few days ago, and our last episode got, got um, pretty good on our statistics compared to other episodes. So it was one of the upper ones. So you're making us famous, Jarrett, and I appreciate that. And um, so I thought we'd just have you on again to talk about whether America could ever be great again. Whether, you know, whether Biden's gone in a couple years or whether it's six years from now which I hate to think about. I mean, can America go back to what it was before or are things just too downhill? What do you think? I think that America is not beyond repair. It's gonna require a lot of dedication. A lot of, a lot of things are gonna to have to happen that people aren't gonna like. If we get, I think what they call sometimes at a company when they need to hire someone to just fix a lot of problems that the guy before him caused, uh, they, I think they call him a hatchet man. Is that right? Yeah, they, they axe, axe a lot of things. They, yeah. They, they cut it down, start it over. That's true. And when you look at things like our national debt, that's not going to be fixed unless we cut back on a lot of the stuff we've been doing, which yeah. means pulling away a lot of the freebies that people have been used to, a lot of the programs that have been helping, helping people. Some people have been mooching off of it, but you yank those things out and you're going to get some backlash, won't you? Yeah, I mean, definitely. There's a lot of... Not just programs to help people, but um, there's a lot of way the government just wastes money in general. Mm -hmm. 
and um, I, I mean it, it's it's <laughs> it's mind-boggling how much money the government wastes on or the money just disappears. It, we we have no account of it. It just it vanishes into thin air, and it for an average average person. <laughs> you often wonder how, how can you be that careless with all that money but mm-hmm. that's our it's our government for you yeah i was you know i was going to talk about media first but that let's talk about economy real quick because the government is spending money like crazy and this is one of those things i'm like how does this get better we've had rapid inflation over the past couple of years i think with all the spending that even trump did during the pandemic we were going to have some inflation um and then the spending that Biden then did, you know, Trump had to do his stimulus packages. That would have caused a bit of inflation. Then Biden gets elected and he's like, well, I can do some stimulus packages too. So we got another round of those. And that double dose of stimulus packages, you know, I, we're getting a lot more inflation than than we would have. And it's, you know, we're seeing the effects when you go to the supermarket now. The eggs were like $10 for 36 eggs. I'm like, how are they even charging that nowadays? It's crazy how much stuff has gotten more expensive over the past few years. And there's people like you who just moved out a few years ago. And, you know, you're having to deal with all this now. Like, it's not easy to move out and have to be paying for your own stuff. No, no, it's not. But um, on on the subject of spending, uh, the recent thing that Biden passed, the debt, student loan debt forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not the most major thing ever, but it's just an example, another example of how the government is just handing out money. I exactly. $10,000 at least forgiven for yeah. the loans. I mean, goodness, I didn't, I'm pretty sure my college hardly cost that at all. I that know. Was, that was for two years. Colleges are so expensive nowadays. This is how the government does things like makes college more expensive. The, the, the government already pours money into people to give them money to go to college. Scholarships. Scholarships. And I'm not against scholarships in general, but when the college knows that you're going to get half your tuition paid for, then they raise your the rates of tuition. Because they're like, oh, the government's going to pay for most of it anyway. So they crank up the, what they're spent charging for tuition. So then the next generation comes along and it's like, well, wow, mom and dad went to college for, you know, $50 a credit hour. But for me, it's $500 a credit hour. And it's like, what? That's not that's not fair for me the same for medical bills too i mean mm-hmm. there's so much the government pays for all this stuff and yeah. the doctors and they know they can charge the insurance company way more than they could charge an average person mm-hmm. and um i mean that's that's why insurance is so expensive that's why doctors are so expensive yeah if we had they, to... they all know they they mooch off each other mm-hmm. <laughs> if we, we were if we had to just pay for our own medical bills i mean yeah that would stink but the medical bills would be a lot lower than what they are yeah and it's not that i'm against insurance but it's like you said when the government gets involved, it makes all those things get more expensive than they would have been otherwise. So it's like, okay, it's great the government's paying for it, but there's a lot more money flowing in here <laughs> than there used to be, and it makes things more expensive for everybody. And and back to the college thing. So the the president, you said it wasn't the most major thing ever, but but I will point out, it was the most expensive executive order that's ever been signed by a president. I, I didn't read that. No. Yeah, I'm like, when I read that, I was like, my goodness. Yeah, you know, rough. something that a few months ago he was saying, well, I can't just sign an executive order and cancel student debt. Well, two months later, he keeps getting all the bad press and he wants to get some more votes for his party in the midterms. So all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I can do that. And I, I'm sure it's it's going to be disputed. I mean, that I, I hope so. I, but this is the thing. So he, he gives ten thousand dollars to each person. 
And the universities are going to see that and they're going to say, oh, well, well, when a Democrat's president, he can just cancel student debt. So let's raise our prices 10000 20000 a person. And, you know, the president can just sign it away later. And this is they're going to be their game now. So for the next generation, college is going to be even more expensive than it was for us. And it uh, and I'm sure it was more expensive for you than it was for me, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. So, yeah, I, it's it's a bid for bo- votes from the the college aged demographics. Yeah, even though technically college aged demographics, they don't go out and vote heavily anyways. But it's it's a bid for bo- votes mm-hmm. um, from them. For the Democratic Party, you, you're so right. It's amazing how our politicians have just gotten away with basically buying votes. That you know, Biden, the midterms are coming up, and they're like, "Hey, let's give ten thousand dollars a student." Or when Biden was running a few years ago, he's like, "Oh, well, if you vote for me, I'm going to pass a stimulus package and send everybody money." You know, it's like I thought that was illegal or something, <laughs> but they can just say it and and they just do it and. They just make up money out of our government well, and, yeah. and send it to people. That's what happens when you we lost the elections, and now the Democrats control the House, the Senate, and mm-hmm. the and the executive office. I mean, yeah. it's it's incredible what they get away with. And and even if the Democrats didn't control one of those branches, there'd still be enough uh, enough can, Republicans that would go along with it because mm-hmm. we all know Republicans. Was, a lot of Republicans are softies, mm-hmm. and they switch like they flip on yeah. a dime. And this is what I'm talking about, like. Can we can we put can we put it back in the box now that the monster's gotten out? Can we get our politicians just going to start promising voters? Well, if you like me, I'm going to give you this much money. No, like me, I'll give you this much money. And polit- and you know elections just become a um, voting to who's going to give you the most money. You know that's what yeah, our friends yeah. going to turn into. Well, I think I think it can. Like I said, it can be fixed, but we're going to need someone like Trump, although twice as efficient, <laughs> and who chooses people that aren't going to shoot him in the back mm-hmm. every every other day and uh it's not just the president um we got to get these people out who clearly <laughs> we keep electing conservative republicans that that aren't hard enough the democrats they always vote the party line yeah republicans they don't i mean i think i said that last podcast mm-hmm. but it's a very important fact that just drives me crazy when i look at these people mm-hmm. and it's like how how do you vote for these people when they they're not conservative, mm-hmm. <laughs> they they go with the other party most of the time. But yep, I guess that's what they vote for. I mean, you get what you vote for. We have so many traitors in the Republican Party, but yeah, like you said, the Democrats have no traitors. They always stand by their man. So okay, let's talk about um, as far as this idea of can can it ever be put put back together again? Um, let let's talk about the media. Okay. The media is at a low point in trust and credibility with the American people. I saw a report from Axios that was from this past summer. They report that newspapers have about a 16% trust from the American public. Television news, about 11%. And if you look at what those were 25 years ago, it's just a fraction. It was, you know, several times higher even 25 years ago. But the media is just so, I'd say they've just debased themselves so much. That's why I made this podcast. You know, it's, the main idea is that we talk about what the media is up to. And um, they have just dishonored themselves so much. You know, is the media ever going to be able to be credible again? What do you think they need to do to get some credibility back? It's going to be hard for them. The, until the 1980s, the mm-hmm. FCC required that stations give 
um, the equal amount of time to different parties, different religious groups mm-hmm. and such. And the stations had to do that. But once the FCC got rid of that rule, that's when we saw the format of all talk stations mm-hmm. and mostly conservative talk stations, which yeah. they're conservative. So I'm not going to completely. Well, that, that that was probably what was holding them back before was that yeah. the conservatives were forced to share so much time. They couldn't be a conservative, t- you know, station. Yeah. And um, but I mean, but now that you think about it, I mean, it's the all the all the major television networks, perhaps except Fox, mm-hmm. and even them in some aspects mm-hmm. are liberal. Right. All the major uh, federal government-sponsored radio network, uh, PBS mm-hmm. is a television network, and NPR radio, mm-hmm. and they're they are liberal, obviously, mm-hmm. because they're they're government-funded, mm-hmm. and um, they call them public stations, but really government propaganda stations. That's I mean, conservatives really just have the radio as a as a mainstream and in the mm-hmm. in the internet now but once again every everyone's so interconnected with everything nowadays i mean you can look on your phone and you can have like 50 different opinions coming from all sorts of different different people and stuff back in the day when when you said they were more credible i mean even what 25 years ago we didn't have mobile telephones that could connect to the internet yeah. and if you wanted the news you had to flip on the television and you had you had CNN and a couple of your local stations, more or less. And if you had cable, you might have had one or two more. Yeah. And they didn't do news all day back then, except for yeah. CNN, really. And had, and there were fewer channels than what you'd find nowadays. Yeah. They didn't have all these opinions when when they did did the hour news at night. They, they had an hour to do the news, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they'd cover special broadcasts. But it people's opinion of the news is higher when they're not constantly bombarded by it twenty four hours a day, mm-hmm. every day. And it's not always on their telephone or their, their their mobile phone in their pocket, always getting the latest news updates, which is, it's handy, mm-hmm. but you're subjected to it a lot more. Well, it's something else that's changed over the past 25 years is that now we have the internet. And if the media lies about something, there's other places you can go to to find the truth. And maybe, you know, we, we might, we often talk about how the media has gotten so bad, but they could have been lying before and just no one was ever able to catch them. That's true. Yeah, I'm, um, yeah, that's true. I mean, they have. I mean, obviously, we talk about yellow journalism and mud, mud racking, mud raking, and back in the mud raking, I think. Yeah, mud raking, uh, back in the the 1900s with the newspapers mm-hmm. and the 20th century and such. And um, I mean, you you couldn't tr- completely trust them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's always it's always biased. I mean, there's someone writing that article. It's not going to be completely unbiased. It can be, mm-hmm. but there's always going to be some slight bias. I mean, I mean, obviously, you should strive to not have personal bias in a news article, depending. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's unless it's an opinion piece, of course. But for straight news that people need to trust, it, it's it's a little hard to not have a little bit of bias in there. But that's what they should strive for, and and they uh, they don't exactly do that. So right. But yeah. but like you said, um, they 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 did they did lie back then, and I mean all the time. I'm. <laughs> it's just. Uh, yeah, the internet is a great place. Like you said, it's a great place to check information, but it's also an incredibly great place to get disinformation. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, look at Facebook. I mean, I don't know, honestly, who gets their news from Facebook. I'm not even sure why politicians have Facebook accounts or Twitter accounts and share stuff on there because it seems like an incredibly uh, silly way to share news or anything. Mm-hmm. It seems, But that's where, it, that's where, stuff, it goes. That's where stuff is gone. That's where it goes. Yeah. And, and I, I don't understand why they think... They have to post it, tweet like Trump. Why did Trump have to tweet? I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. he could have he could have done a lot of other things. 
he's the president. He had a lot of other ways of getting the <laughs> message out, but no, he chose to tweet, which yeah. I didn't really care about for. I mean, some of his tweets were funny, some were not. Right. But. <laughs> well, here's something I think the media could do to get some credibility back is to quit being so intertwined with politicians. Um, I saw this thing this, this past week, and big props to Eric Schmidt. He's the attorney general for Missouri. He's running for Senate right now. But as an attorney general, he just dumped a bunch of documents that I guess he and some other state attorney generals that they had gotten, um, that they had gotten, I don't know if it's through Sunshine Laws or whatever, but they, they got these, uh, they obtained some emails between Facebook and the Biden administration. And they were having weekly and monthly calls, basically since Biden's got into office. And, and a lot of this is redacted here, but they, they, they were having these regular discussions about what they should be censoring on the platform. So they were, you know, they were talking with Facebook and Facebook's like, hey, we want to censor this. Could you have this, the CDC release a statement, you know, calling it wrong so that we can censor it on our platform? I don't like this relationship between the media, even social media and the politicians because it makes everything look fishy then. Yeah, well, yeah, on that, on the subject of newspapers again, once again, back in the back in the day, I mean, uh, people used to buy newspaper artic- uh, newspaper opinions all the time. I mean, there was newspapers for conservatives and Republicans. And uh, uh, now the only problem with that is the newspapers, as long as they sold well, they could both operate in the same city. I mean, I mean, you had you had different newspapers with different different yeah. opinions supporting different parties, but with social media. They censor that. You, mm-hmm. you can't just print it and then sell them at a newspaper stand and people just buy it because it's, that's the way they consumed information back then. Now everyone consumes it on electronically, computer and mm-hmm. phone, and um, they, they're able to censor that if, because, sadly, they own the platform. It's not, yeah. it's not a free space as if the newspapers were because the newspapers could had their own shop. They printed it, mm-hmm. and they distributed it themselves throughout the city. Right. And with this, I mean, of course, you have a smaller audience doing that as a newspaper, but with this, you have a larger audience, but there's also the fact that they can stop whatever they want because mm-hmm. they control it. Yeah. Well, so we talked about media. We talked about economy. You know, one more thing I was going to mention on economy. Uh, this story just kind of cracked me up. It's not a video, but it's about... Um, so in California, they just they just passed a law saying that starting in 2035, they cannot have any more gas vehicles sold in California. They only want electric vehicles. 2035 is not that far off. That's 13 years from now? Yeah, yeah 13 I mean, years. A little less, actually. That's Almost not that far away. Yeah. So they're, they're trying to get rid of gas vehicles in California because they say this is going to help the environment. So they want people to get in electric vehicles. And you obviously, you charge up your electric vehicle by plugging it in. Plug it in at your house. Okay, so they passed this law. All right. The next week... They ask people to stop plugging in their electric vehicles because it's overloading the electric grid. <laughs> uh, yes, no, that's what I, one of my favorite arguments against that is, do you know the amount of electrical infrastructure it requires to be able to charge? I mean, well, let's let's talk about this. Um, batteries are horribly inefficient at storing energy. And if you've ever had a battery powered flashlight or used batteries at all, they, they're they not that not great. <laughs> they're horribly mm-hmm. wasteful. They take way long twice as long to charge as the energy they give off if it's an efficient battery generates a lot of heat in the in the in the charging of the battery and um it requires a lot of amperage 
to charge a battery, especially a, a large battery that can power a car. Mm-hmm. And um, the California electric grid couldn't support itself 15, 20 years ago without these electric cars. And they, <laughs> they think now that it's, it's, it's really mind-boggling. Whoever, it's, it's a money laundering system or something. Someone's got to be making a ton of dough off this. And True. a lot of people got to be making a lot of dough off this system because... And the only people who are going to suffer are the people who actually need to go places and have to buy these cars and stuff. It's not logical. <laughs> it, it's it's like they they put someone... They, like electric cars are cool, mm-hmm. but uh, there's just so many drawbacks. Unless, yeah, unless, they are cool. Yeah. Unless I, I got to drive one a few months ago. The, the church kids, they went up to church camp and... Um, we rented a van. It ended up being an electric van, electric vehicle van. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's a super nice vehicle, but energy's got to come from somewhere. If it's not coming from gas, it's going to have to come from the, cool. out, the electricity, the outlets in your home. <laughs> yeah. And, and how are those, how is that electricity delivered? It's delivered by coal, natural gas, nuclear. And if you think for a moment that wind and solar farms are going to be able to power this uh, in California, how many people live mm-hmm. in California? Like, uh, what was it, like 8 million in Los Angeles alone? Mm-hmm. And not to mention the rest of California, San Francisco. I think there's like 55 million San people. San Diego. 50 million people in California. Maybe, I don't something like that. Yeah, an insanely huge amount for the size of the, for in comparison with other states in the United States, mm-hmm. especially the Midwest. But, um, yeah, no, um, <laughs> if you think that wind and solar and hydroelectric power is going to be able to green power, power this in a, in a uh, what's that, eco-friendly way, it's, mm-hmm. it's impossible. You'd have to cover the earth in solar panels to be able to power, mm-hmm. <laughs> charge those cars. It, they're going to have to come up with some other other way. And once California is going to learn this the hard way. I mean, could you imagine, real quick, the gas stations of the future, although they're not gas stations, they're charging stations. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine uh, the power lines they're going to have to put up all over the place? I mean, right. they're going to have to have... The, like, thick wires to carry that current, and, and they're going to have to have tons of power plants, and and uh, not to mention you know, the the fact you have to wait to charge your car. I mean, if the the way they're they're going to have to redo the entire transportation system now. I mean, if you don't want to have to wait, you're going to have to be able to change your battery, just like like you exchange propane tanks, perhaps. That that's going to be the way they do it. I, I would have to say, unless they can develop a quick charging battery or something but um yeah but then they're gonna have to standardize all the batteries and then and then they're gonna have to replace the trucks with electric trucks and the lawnmowers with electric lawnmowers and think of all the construction equipment that uses diesel or gas i mean you might as well just be getting rid of our entire infrastructure using gasoline it's not just cars i mean trucks have to get around trains have to get around uh, construct what what builds roads, what repairs roads, gas powered construction equipment, mm. and how effective is that going to be? Yeah, well, what are we going to do next? Electric airplanes? I mean, we're always talking about celebrities going around in their jets, but how do you make an electric airplane? It's um, so that's what I was thinking too. Is yeah. as as I was reading this story, they're going to have to redo their whole electrical grid because the, obviously they can't even handle the amount of electric vehicles they have on the grid right now. So I, I know, and, yeah. and they're saying in twenty twenty five. Everyone's going to have to have electric vehicles. Okay, you're going to have to re- you're going to have to do a lot. And you mentioned the gas stations. Yeah, what's going to happen to the gas stations? <laughs> where are people going to buy a piece of tea, or where are they going to sell drugs if all the gas stations are gone? But you also said someone's making bank off of this. Oh and yeah. I'd imagine all these California politicians doing this. They probably got stock in some of these electric companies, electric vehicle companies. 
something's fishy and it doesn't smell right. Well, let's talk about foreign policy. Um, this is something you know a thing or two about, Jared. I'm trying to just looking at Russia and Ukraine and what's going to happen with that. Because I guess the idea is that this war might drag on for a few years. Is that kind of what you're hearing? It could be a while. Well, uh, I don't. I don't know. I've heard Russia or Ukraine is on the offensive in some areas, as of as of right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we talk about the U.S. giving aid to Ukraine, but several other, a lot of other European countries have given them aid, and not just in terms of money, but in terms of their surplus uh, weapons. I saw a video from Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty. And they were talking or showing how they were using Ukrainians were using Polish-built assault guns to take on Russians, and they just. It, it, I think the Ukrainians actually. I was I wasn't so sure at the beginning of the conflict Ukraine could could do it, but the Russians they showed themselves to be completely inept mm-hmm. at military attack. That's true, and and it, it's in, it, I, you know I always thought of Russia being having a decent military right but apparently they're, they're i thought they were as, scary <laughs> yeah yeah but but some some people who had no chance are pushing them back now mm-hmm. and i mean it's it's not good for russia but but i think the war will will carry on for quite a long time i don't think putin's gonna walk away with his tail behind between his legs but it's gonna take a lot more fighting and a lot of more people are gonna die and yeah. it's gonna it's gonna last for a long time it's gonna be one of those kind of pointless wars where mm-hmm. we're, I mean, not pointless, obviously, but why did Russia go in? Do we really, do we, do, is there really an answer for that? I mean, Ukraine, I guess it has some oil and yep. um, it, it, it's got farms, yep. lots of farming, farmland, some, some industrial capacity. It, it produces a lot of, um, I think it's like some types of food for Europe. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of the wheat, the oil stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, did Russia have to attack? No. I guess I think Putin was looking at his what his legacy was going to be, and I think people were saying, "Oh, he didn't accomplish anything for Russia." So I think this is as he's getting he's kind of an old guy. I mean, he doesn't look it, but he's pretty old. I think you know as he's looking at his last years in office, he's like, "I got to give him something <laughs> for my legacy or whatever." Yeah, and that that's going to be almost a military failure in you in the Ukraine, mm-hmm. and that's going to be his hopefully yeah. his legacy. But, well, but here's what here's what we also know. When Obama was president, Russia did invade into Ukraine. They took Crimea. Yeah. And when Trump was president, Russia stayed in Russia. That's one thing Trump, I thought, was pretty good on, foreign policy. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, amongst other things, I thought he did a pretty good job on. He, But foreign policy, he didn't mess around with these other countries. I mean, the, the other countries, yeah. the, they knew that... Trump was in office. They didn't do anything. They didn't I mean, mess with us, exactly. Except for um, what was that? They 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 launched some missiles at our, our soldiers over in the Middle East. I can't remember the exact location now. It was, it was two or three years ago in back Syria. When, yeah, Syria. And then uh, oh, what and was Trump it? struck back? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Trump launched a bunch of missiles in there to that airport, and mm-hmm. they 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 kind of you didn't really hear about it after that. Yeah, and, I mean, and ISIS. Did, remember but, when ISIS was a big deal like oh, yeah. five years ago? Yeah, then Trump wiped them out. But yeah. thanks to uh, Uncle Joe and mm-hmm. the retreat, and now now the now with this current Taliban administration has all that. Russia's it. back in Ukraine. We lost an embassy in Afghanistan. 
We lost an embassy in uh, Ukraine. We had to evacuate that one. And they've been, they're denying that they're evacuating in Iraq, but apparently there's been some uprisings in Iraq and people have been like invading into the embassy space over there. So it's like no one respects America anymore. They're, they're not as afraid of us as they used to be. And, and maybe they shouldn't be, you know, it's like, well, we thought Russia's army was scary and now they look kind of pathetic, but what's been happening with our own military, not, no disrespect to anyone in our military, but the people who are in charge at like the Department of Defense, they've introduced all this LGBT propaganda into the curriculum of the military and they're focusing on what they call white rage and, and teaching, teaching people in the military that what they need to be concerned about are the, you know, the white male American terrorists. And it's like, can, can that be turned around? If, if we actually get into a real war, it's going to show what's going to yeah. happen pretty quick with all that inclusive stuff in the military. Exactly. I mean, let's hope and pray there's no the conflicts system. because we don't want it. Like how Russia has been kind of exposed for how weak they actually are, you know. I hope that wouldn't happen to America, but it it's clear to me that with the people in charge right now, the other countries are not taking us as seriously. They're not as threatened by us as they used to be. Uh, and kind of on that note too, not about the military, but let's talk about the FBI. Did you see where Mark Zuckerberg just recently? He was just kind of he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he was just he just casually mentioned how the FBI contacted him back during the 2020 elections about covering up the Hunter Biden laptop story. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Which, you know, everything about that story turned out to be true. But back during the elections, the, the the mainstream media were all out there trying to downplay it and calling it, you know, they were saying it was Russian disinformation, trying to interfere in the election. It all turned out to be true. It wasn't Russia. It was just facts. It was reality. But you see that Mark Zuckerberg was just saying the FBI was trying to get him to cover that up? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I saw that. And on the subject of the FBI... Once again, like you said, Trump didn't clear shop when he was, he was right. in the office. And, and these people stabbed him in the back over and over again. And um, it, it's a little scary, mm-hmm. but that they're able to do what they do and get away with it. This is what I mean. We need a hatchet man to go in and look, really just clear this out. Um, actually, there was this kind of funny video. I'll play it for you. So somebody came up to Ted Cruz, and I guess they thought this was a gotcha they asked him what he would what he would do about the FBI. They're like, "Hey, I think we need to to just defund the FBI or, or totally get rid of it." And he like basically agrees with them. Let me play you this clip. I wanted to say thank you so much for all you're doing to fight for Ruth Walker and to take back the Senate. And I just think it's so important that like you guys are actually do defund all those IRS agents. Absolutely. But I think it's imperative that you really have to defund the FBI after all the witch hunts that are going on. It is horrific the abuse of power at the FBI, and it's wrong. And, and there needs to be a, a complete house cleaning that, that, that happens at the FBI. Are y'all going to be able to do that when you retake the Senate? I, I think we need to fight to do that. We need to fight to have real oversight. Right. Yeah. I, thank you so much. Sure. Yeah. So somebody released that video, and they're like, look at this inside scoop. Ted Cruz behind the scenes, he wants to destroy the FBI. <laughs> you know, they're, they act like that's some kind of huge gotcha. <laughs> that he says the same thing behind the scenes. That he actually would just, that he says openly. So when they, they retweet that, you know, that video, like it's this this epic scoop. We got him. And then he retweeted it to be like, yeah, that's exactly what I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Ted Cruz is 
Def- definitely, he says what I guess he believes. So I mean, I mean, I, when a politician <laughs> says that behind closed doors, uh-huh. as there's the same thing they say openly, usually you know they they believe in what they're talking about. Yeah. So not that they'll do anything about it, but I mean, the Republicans have to take back power to be able to do anything about the FBI. I mean, if yeah. they don't, the FBI is just going to raid them. <laughs> and and here's the thing: this is one of those areas where I'm like, what do we do about the FBI problem? Because I've I've you know I had an episode on this podcast about a year ago. It was disband the FBI. Like, that's literally how I feel. The The Democrats have gotten their tentacles wrapped around yeah. it, and they control what it does, and now they just use it as a weapon against the Republicans. Just like everything they get a hold of. Exactly. So I'm like, I don't know that... See, we could... we could, If Republicans get in charge, and they clear house at the FBI and put good people in command so that these stupid witch hunt investigations stop happening, they could do that. But then the Democrats get in power four or eight years later, and they just put things back to how they were before. Like, I'm not sure how do you, how do you, what do you do about this? I think you just got to disband the FBI entirely. I know that sounds extreme, but they're doing stuff like, you know, at at the 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 you hear so much about January 6th. The they call it the insurrection. I don't call it that, but the Capitol riot. Well, there were FBI agents as part of that crowd, and they were ginning people up to go inside. And Merrick Garland. The attorney general, he's basically admitted that. But they just, it's just like they just won't say how many. I'm not saying the FBI totally made, made January 6th happen, but they played a part in trying to make it happen. Do you remember back during 2020, there was this, uh, the governor of Michigan, it's Gretchen Whitmer. Yeah. There were these yeah. men arrested. Mm-hmm. Yep. They were accused of plotting to assassinate her. Yep. FBI, FBI was egging that on, too. Yeah. Those, those men ended up getting let off the hook. Because it turned out the FBI had instigated them, entrapped them or whatever, into coming up with this plan. They're, they're definitely overreaching their power. And like you said, there's really nothing that—I'm I'm not sure there's anything that can be done. I think, like you said, we, we need to wipe the slate clean, start over. Yeah. And, clean slate. And the sad thing is there's a lot of FBI agents, I, I believe, that are good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And they, they are not bought out. But it, once again, it's the higher-ups. Right. Who, who who put all these plans into action. Maybe we just need to clean out the higher-ups. But like make sure we actually put some good ones in charge. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I like a lot of tr- stuff Trump did. I'm glad that Donald Trump fired James Comey. But whoever he put after James Comey <laughs> is apparently not much better. So they, they need to actually put some... I don't even know who runs it now, to be honest. But, but um, did you ever see that movie? Um, Clint Eastwood made it. And it was about the man who discovered the bomb at the stadium in Georgia. Do you remember that? No, I didn't. What, what was that called? Richard Jewell. That's what it was called. And Richard, This is a true story. Back in the 90s, Richard Jewell uh, was a security guard, and he discovered a bomb at, at a stadium. I don't, I don't know if they ever caught who actually put the bomb there. I don't remember. But Richard Jewell was the security guard. He found it. He got people out of there, and it exploded. I don't remember if, like... Maybe no one died or just a few people died. But if Richard Jewell hadn't started the evacuation, it, w- it would have been way worse. A bunch of people would have died. So he saved a lot of lives. He was a hero. But then the FBI was catching heat because they couldn't find the person who was the bomber. So basically they ended up trying to blame Richard Jewell, the hero of the story. And they, they let it leak that they were investigating Richard Jewell as a suspect, that he had actually planted the bomb and then pretended to find it to make himself look like a hero. They leaked that just to cover up the fact that they couldn't catch the real bomber. They ruined his life. 
that's another thing. All these leaks. Goodness. Yeah. You think they were... Uh, what, what are those things? You drain the spaghetti noodles. <laughs> yeah. You think they're a colander. You think they're one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, things leak all the time all over the place. <laughs> it's, it's really incredible what information gets out. Yeah. But it's it's the information that, that makes other people look bad. It's, right. it's not just random information that leaks out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like the, uh, the Supreme Court on the um, abortion. Right. I, I mean... That leaked out, and they never heard anything before. about it. Yep, and it's 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 really incredible. All these leaks. It's amazing. It's like a it is like a colander, but only on one side of the colander. It's only leaks that hurt the right. Yeah. You know, it's never leaks that hurt anyone on the left. Um, okay, we're just I just got a few more things I wanted to mention. Um, just as far as this whole Humpty Dumpty idea, how do we put things back together? I was looking up the stats on immigration. Okay, so according to this website USAFacts.org. This is like a government website that, or uses government data, it says, um, to let you know statistics on what's going on in the country. And they report that as recently as 2019, and for some reason they haven't been giving the data for years after that, but as recently as 2019, we had 11.4 illegal immigrants in the USA. Okay? And there's like 40... 11, 11.4? Million. Yeah. Okay, million. Okay. 11.4 million. Yeah, I, sorry, I didn't say million. Eleven point four <laughs> illegal immigrants. <laughs> Man, that one, four, that, yeah. that fourth of an immigrant really that didn't make it. Four, yeah, <laughs> you got half in, half out. No, eleven point four million illegal immigrants. Okay, and we have about forty to forty-five million legal immigrants. But as far as illegal immigrants, it's estimated about eleven point four million. Okay, so that's not good. You know, having a bunch of illegal immigrants, and we were already having stress on the economy. I mean, my whole lifetime, they've talked about how this is. Put a strain on the economy, um, all the illegal immigration that's gone on. And this is one of the reasons Trump was elected in the first place, you know, build a wall, which he, I, he did, he tried to get it done. He got a lot of it done, but, but anyway, that was what he was elected on the basis of. Through a bunch of opposition, he got a lot right. of it done. Right. He had a lot of opposition from even his own party. They were being stupid, but. And now, now that you look at it, those states are building walls themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, this was, this was Trump's thing, you know cut back on the illegal immigration, deport some of these illegal immigrants. Okay, the Biden administration has released its estimates, just in, these are as recent as August, that since he took office, there have been 4 million more illegal immigrants flood into the country. So we had 11.4 million before, at least 4 million more, just in a year and a half. I mean, that's like, that's what is that? About 30% more? Yeah. than what we had just a few years ago. I mean, they are just pouring in. And I, so I just look at that. I'm like, how do we recover from that? And like, how do we fix this? <laughs> well, once again, it's uh, it's one of those things that people aren't going to like, and you're going to have to be a little bit mean to some people. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people are breaking the law. Yeah, it's not mean. To kick it, it's, not, it's not mean, but I mean, a lot of people would think it was it was mean. They'll call it mean. They're they're illegal aliens. Exactly. They're not immigrants. They're illegal aliens. Let's call them aliens again yeah. because they're not immrants. That's they're, right. <laughs> immigrants go through Ellis Island or through checkpoints. Exactly. They apply. Yes. We know who they are. They're illegal aliens. They're infiltrators. Exactly. And um, yeah, just, if they're illegal... Don't they just need to be kicked out? I mean, they need to be shipped back to the border. If you if you break the law, you got to pay for it. You are absolutely right about using the proper vocabulary. That's one of those things that the left is always changing words. 
that, that used to be the illegal aliens. And then they're like, we'll say undocumented workers, you know, stuff like that. They're, they're always trying to change. Now, now they're, uh, they're migrants. Like, yeah. they're migrating. <laughs> and it's like, uh, no, they're, they're breaking but, the law. But what they're doing is invading. Because when you're doing it against the law. Illegal alien have migrants. Yeah. They, then they're not, you're exactly right. They're not immigrating. They are, it's an invasion. And when you go from 11.4 million, and then the Biden administration is saying it's at least 4 million more, which means it's surely higher than that because they're going to give the low number. So it's surely a bunch more. I mean, this is, um, I'm like, how do you even, how do you put this back in the box? You know? And, and I really, I, I like the idea how Texas, of how Texas um, busts them up to New York, but right. I really wish they didn't do that. I think it's funny because now now they have to suffer just like Texas has had to suffer for exactly. the past 30 years. But uh, I, I also think, gee, they're just making the problem worse almost by sh- bussing all these people up north. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to spread out, but they're just shipping them to big cities well, instead of all across the country. I guess on the, on the bright side, this might be the only way to fix the problem is you get the, the left-wingers up in New York or Washington, D.C. You get them to acknowledge, oh, like this does put a strain on the local community. Whenever you just bring in, you import all these people from another country and they need a place to stay or they're just going to be homeless. Like the mayor of Washington, D.C. and New York, they're whining and complaining about a busload of people. Four million. That's just the the illegal yeah. <laughs> the, the illegal aliens who've invaded. Four million. That It's several times higher the number of legal immigrants that they're letting into the country, which they also need to put a stop to. That all that stuff puts a huge strain on places like Arizona and Texas and you know these places that border on um, Mexico. It puts a huge strain on them. So let yeah. let New York feel some of and, that. Strain. And that's not just the illegal aliens that are you know. I mean, they're already breaking the law. They're illegal aliens. But that's not to mention the cartel members and the drug yeah. dealers that happen to sneak in with them. Right. And uh, and these people are they're illegal aliens and they break broken the law but they're getting taken advantage of mm-hmm. more or less i mean they're almost victims in the yeah. source that the cartels are, are sort of shipping them? them up here yeah and and they're extorting money from them and kidnapping them and splitting their families apart and everything and using them to shipping drugs with them mm-hmm. and and it's it's a uh, it's like human trafficking almost exactly and i mean there's a lot of human trafficking that goes along with this illegal yeah. legal uh border crossings and not to mention the drug fentanyl problem yeah that comes across the border they keep getting record amounts of fentanyl cut but they admit even this means there's more than ever coming across the border because we're not catching at all we're only catching more because there's so much more coming across it's like a plague it kills a lot more people than covid does that's right or monkeypox yeah definitely (laughs) monkeypox yeah and speaking of which um you mentioned crime you know a few years ago this and it's still in this theme of can we put Humpty Dumpty together again? They did the defund the police movement a few years ago, and crime has skyrocketed since then, as you know any normal, reasonable person would have predicted. But sadly, you know most of our politicians are not normal, reasonable people. So crime, and I'm talking about violent crime, or you know burglary, theft, all that stuff, shoplifting, it's exploded. The murder rate rose by thirty percent in 2020. From what it was the year before because that's in 2020 is when they started this defund the police thing murder rose 30 percent in this country it went up another five percent in 2021 it's continued to rise in 2022 i saw that new york city has had a 40 percent increase in violent crime from 2021 to 2022 chicago a 35 percent increase so the the crime rates and the murder rates i mean they're just 
going up higher. They, you know, they haven't slowed down. They keep going higher and higher because of this defund the police thing. What do we got to do to fix that? Yeah, once again, it's um, it's the higher-ups. There's a lot of good police officers out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, once again, every now and then you get a bad, bad apple that makes the whole bunch look bad. But the whole bunch isn't bad. It just makes them look bad. Right. But, um, yeah, um, it, it's the it's the higher-ups, the police chiefs, but they, they've been politicized. And once it becomes politicized and you choose pick and choose what you want to follow, what you want to do, instead of doing it across the board like mm-hmm. the laws are there for, it, it's corruption, really. I wonder how much they pay these people. I mean, it's, it's incredible how incompetent the higher-ups can be and still retain their... I mean, can you imagine regular average Joe being so incompetent and being completely failing at their job and them still retaining a position and yet these people retain their positions get promotions and uh, get a hefty paycheck to go along with it and, and protected from the from any criticism because racism yeah or, no no or, better example of that than dr anthony fauci who's <laughs> i'm so glad he's he's stepping down now he's only stepping down and he said he's stepping down in december it's because he knows the republicans are going to take the house in november and he's getting out of there before they get in because they'll investigate him you know till kingdom come but and Republicans may take the House. The, in yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to that. We're gonna talk about that in a little bit. So I just got a couple more things while I got you here, Jarrett. Um, let's talk that. about another problem that's really erupted over the past few years: race relations in the country. Let's let's talk about what's racist for this week. Everything is racist. So have you you've probably heard Jarrett over the past few years, all kinds of stupid things are being declared racist nowadays, and um, so this week. Actually, for this month, because I haven't done a podcast in a month's time. <laughs> Mount Rushmore has been declared racist. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I can't believe they carved it out of white rock for a bunch of white presidents. <laughs> well, Can you believe that? That wasn't it. It was that, I guess in sports, I'm not a big sports guy, but I guess in sports, when they talk about the four greatest of something, um, they talk about the Mount Rushmore. of Like, who would you put on your Mount Rushmore for like basketball legends? And then they'll pick like the four greatest basketball heroes in history. So like they people in sports, I guess they have this conversation. I'm not a sports guy, but from what I understand, this this dude over at ESPN is upset that that terminology is used because Mount Rushmore is for white people, and he says, "Why are we using for white people to say that <laughs> to declare something the greatest of the four greatest of anything?" So Mount Rushmore is now racist. If you think about it. Of, of the four faces that are on Mount Rushmore, we have two two Republicans, one Democrat, and George Washington. So the Republicans are leading on the Mount Rushmore <laughs> leaderboard. Well, another reason they'd say it's racist then. <laughs> yes. Um, right, well, does racism really mean anything anymore? That's, like, let's let's add that word. Like, does illegal actually mean anything anymore? Words changing they, they over, change time. over time. They change the word. We talk about that a lot on here. And if you use the word too much... It really doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, I mean, and that's what what's happening to? with racist. You're right. Yeah, I mean, racism, real racism, hasn't been experienced in this country since the 80s, before mm-hmm. the 80s, probably. I think up until Obama, I back in school, I never before when I was in you know elementary and middle school before Obama, mm-hmm. and you know I didn't hear anything about racism. Like right. I, I didn't see, I didn't see race. But that's what they were telling us to go for was. It was what Martin Luther King Jr. said, like when I was in school too. So I'd say we reached this high point in a, in a, in race relations in America from like the the 90s and the 2000s up until up until about 2012, 
we were at this high point where that you know what I was taught in school and what you were talking about there is that we were taught what Martin Luther King Jr. said. Yeah, I don't remember ever ever thinking of race when I was a kid. Yeah, I didn't see a black kid and and think, gee, he's black, and, and you know, I wasn't I wasn't I didn't think about that and because we, we were taught we were taught what Martin Luther King Jr. said about don't judge a man by the color of his skin but by the content of his character. So we weren't supposed to care what someone's skin color was. You know, you just listen to what they say and judge who they are. If you're going to judge them at all, you know, you you make your judgment based on um, their actions and their yeah. attitudes and, be, you know, who who the person is on the inside, not what they look like on the outside. And and so now they're actually telling us you have to judge people on the basis of the race when it comes to, you know, giving grades in school or enforcing the laws. Um, colleges are having separate graduations now, based yeah. some colleges, but based on the race of the people. We have the black graduation and the everybody else graduation, and they're housing students on the basis of race. So they're they're bringing back segregation. Um, so Jarrett, while I got you here, let's let's do a little midterm update because if you remember, about a month ago, we did a midterm update on how those elections were looking, and. Things were starting to shift against the Republicans about a month ago. Uh, one, one of the things was that some of the candidates they were putting up, they are not selecting the best guys to run in some of these races. So it was looking like we would run away with the Senate this year. About a month ago, it was more like 50-50 who's going to win the Senate. Now, it's looking two to three chances that, I mean, two-thirds of a chance that the Democrats keep the Senate. So they've gotten a bigger advantage on the Now, we still look like we'll take the House, but with a slimmer majority than what we were going for before. So it's not looking as good for Republicans as we expected. And and let's talk about, talk about some reasons why that might have changed. Um, one thing that people have thrown out is that we did get Roe versus Wade overturned this year, and that that has perhaps energized the Democrats and energized people to go out and vote for Democrats. Do you think that that's had an effect? Uh, I think it's had an effect. It might have been a little bit larger than I'm thinking, but I think the Republicans mainly just—I'll uh, say that later. <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah. The Republicans mainly they, just suck. I think they just shoot themselves in the foot all the time. The Republicans yeah. are really good at that. Like the Democrats, they shoot themselves in the foot all the time, but they have like really thick shoes on because the media protects them. <laughs> That's so good, yeah. the Republicans have no media protection. So when they shoot themselves in the foot. They yeah. got to get that thing amputated. It, it matters. You're it, right. It really hurts them. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I said this before. If if abortion caused us to, like, you know, do badly in the midterm elections here, honestly, I'd say it's worth it. I wanted to get—well, I, I know abortion's still legal, but I wanted to get rid of Roe versus Wade so bad. I don't care if we—you know, if there's a little bit of backlash— like, to me, that's worth it, because I'm so happy that Roe versus Wade was overturned. It's worth so. it, but we also want to get some other things overturned, We want to get too. some other stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you, sometimes you, you gain some ground, you lose some ground. But I feel, you know, it, we had to get Roe versus Wade overturned, and that finally happened. So, so um, to me, I'm like, I'd be okay with that if that's the reason. But I think there's something playing a bigger part. And here's what's happened in the past month that we haven't been able to talk about, because... I haven't done a program for a month. I've been in the midst of moving and, and it's kind of set me back a little bit in life on, on as far as my podcasting goes, I can't put out as many, many programs right now. But um, one thing that's happened in the past month is that the FBI raided Donald Trump's house 
And I mean, a lot of this looks silly, like they're trying to say that he had all these classified documents. It looks like a fishing expedition to me to just try to find something they can pin on him. Not that he actually was doing something dangerous or wrong, but but what has that done? It's shifted all the energy and all the the, the attention over to Donald Trump again. And people have stopped talking about inflation and all the terrible stuff, you know, how the Democrats have been doing just a terrible job running the country. Well, people haven't been talking about that the past few weeks. They've been talking about Trump and what's going on with him. And I hate to say it because there's a lot of things Trump did I like, but he's not popular with most people in the country. And so when you start talking about Trump again, all it does is bring backlash against the Republicans. I think that that, that if something's if the if the Republicans are hurting this bad in the polls, it's probably the Trump effect because so much attention's been put on him in the past month. What do you think? I don't know. Um, I think this the raid on on his house in Mar-a-Lago um, energized quite a bit of his followers because they not not followers sounds like a cult, but <laughs> well, uh, I know what you mean. But uh, conservatives and people who who happen to like Trump, I think it energized. Some of them, sort of like how Roe v. Wade being overturned energized the Democrats. Mm-hmm. I think this sort of energized the Republican base. Yeah, some of the Republican base. Obviously I, f- I feel energized, as, but there, there's an as, as much as there was an outlash against Roe v. Wade, there was just as big of an outlash against this FBI, like you said, fishing expedition to mm-hmm. Trump's war, or house and Melania's wardrobe. <laughs> that um, I think. It, it might have. It, it might actually. It, it might benefit Trump in the end, because it, it, it's it's really once again. I'll, I'll use this a lot, but it, it's definitely fishy. The FBI going in there and doing that, mm-hmm. and it really just shows how corrupt our government is. Right. <laughs> that Hillary Clinton's able to uh, get away with something like that. But the FBI raids Trump's house, even though well, Trump follows all the security procedures and yeah. Clinton doesn't. But she just gets off. And, and not only that, she tried to cut... When they caught Hillary Clinton doing the private email server, she wiped it. She had her employees go out and, like, take hammers to their phones. And bleach it. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. They didn't get any of those documents back. And yet but, she wasn't charged with even obstruction of justice. No, nah, nah, I think they got... A, the, the verdict they had on her is that she did it, but she didn't mean to. So it's Right. Okay. And, yeah. But they're not going to give Trump no, those no. kid gloves, are they? Nope. Trump, Trump doesn't get kid gloves. Yeah. So I think, honestly, I... Six months ago, I thought, oh, this would never happen. I actually think they're going to try to charge Trump with something now. Um, Bloomberg is reporting that they're going to charge him after the midterms, that like the Democrats don't want to distract from the midterms, so they're going to wait till after the midterms and charge him. I think they're going to charge him before the midterms, because I think this is really good for the Democrats politically when Trump is in the spotlight and not all the crap that they're doing. They, you know, So I, I actually, I, do you feel like they're going to tr- try to charge Trump with something, even if it's... Not a, not a very serious charge, but they'll just try to throw something on him. They can try, but, I mean, <laughs> I mean sure, if they charge him, it um, better stick because Trump's going to get... I mean, imagine if it doesn't stick again, Trump can uh, use this as another example of the establishment. Right. The the swamp trying to, trying to get him. I mean, think of all the times they've tried and failed mm-hmm. every single time, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> They've tried and failed. And that, that's one of the reasons why the media has attacked Trump so much when he was president. When they're attacking Trump for such the smallest petty things, mm-hmm. it takes everyone's attention off of it. It makes, it makes Trump look bad, but the Democrats who look bad already, if you actually, you know, if you look past the media, mm-hmm. they, uh, and the media just reports all this bad stuff Trump does. 
Yeah. Well, like, see, I've, I don't worry about it too much because I feel like everything they try to do blows up in their faces. Although they did get him, you know, they made him a one-term president so far. But, I mean, they did, you know, it, finally with COVID, they finally had a silver bullet they could shoot him with. But everything else, they impeached him. Twice. I'm talking about the, yeah, the first time around when they impeached him, his approval rating rose <laughs> because people knew it was a phony witch hunt. Um but but after all the this stuff that's happened since then, I mean the January sixth thing, I, I think he had some blame for that. I don't blame him for what they call the insurrection. I don't blame him for that, but I think he played a part in um instigating that whole situation. So anyway And and you have to remember FBI's in the crowd. Exactly. They <laughs> it's I, a really lot of complex. It was, I blame the FBI more than him. But and was it as really bad as the media was saying? Because uh, no, the only person not. who died was one of the one the of the protesters. protesters. Yeah. So I guess the security guard died, but they had like a heart attack or something. It was unrelated. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, was it really as bad as what they said? No. So right. one of the Capitol Police had a stroke at his house the next day, and they tried to you know say yeah, it. they tried to play it off but, as that. But Trump has got so much. He's been so tainted by all that stuff that just the fact that Trump has all this baggage with him now. If the Democrats can put the spotlight on him and charge him with something, that kind of takes the wind out of the sails for the Republicans. That's the calculation I think the Democrats are making. You, you know, and I, I like Trump. I think he, um, I, I wish, though, that you're right, a lot of baggage with Trump. And so I wish the Republicans could find someone who fought like Trump mm-hmm. and was like smarter and quicker and right. in every other way. <laughs> like, surely. I mean, I like Trump and what he tried to do, but surely uh-huh. there's someone else oh, who yeah. is better at that stuff than he is. Ted Cruz. And Ron DeSantis. Yeah, um, better at answering even questions. Even Mike Pence. I, I think now, see, I think Trump has tainted Mike Pence too much that people don't, won't go for him. But he was an excellent debater. I think a lot of the good stuff Trump did was actually stuff Mike Pence was trying to lead him to do. I think Mike Pence played a big part in guiding Trump. So, I, you know, if we want another term of Trump, I think let's get it for Mike Pence. Mike Pence is too Christian to be president in this country now, though. <sighs> I'm, I'm Remember, afraid that's true. You can't you can't be a moral person and, and get up into the White House anymore. Yeah. I mean, I mean they tried to tr- paint Trump as an immoral person, but yeah. and they failed because just about everything they did didn't stick. But I don't think he was a incredibly moral person. But it, I mean, he, he got a lot of good stuff done. Yeah. So sometimes you need a Pence and sometimes you need a Trump. And we yeah. needed in 2016 we did need a Trump. We needed a wrecking ball. And I think next time around we need a hatchet man. All right, well, we're going to pause here for just a moment, and then uh, whenever we come back, Jarrett is going to give us a little bit of a history lesson. And before I close down later, I just want to mention this here. If you want to get in touch with Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast, you can send us an email to fierybutpeaceful at gmail.com. If you see some fake news, send it our way, and whoever gets it to us first will get credit for it. Also, you can stay in touch throughout the week at Fake News Weekly on Twitter. Uh, If you like Bible studies, or if you just really dig the sound of my voice, I do have another podcast. It's called Cross References, and it has nothing to do with news or current events. It's what I consider my main podcast, though. Um, It has new episodes on Mondays. If you go look up Cross References on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get this podcast... You can find cross references also, and I've 
I've taken a little bit of a break lately. Like I said before, uh, I haven't been able to do as many podcast shows lately. But So Cross References took a little break too. It's coming back on Monday. I'm going to try to get this episode out on Monday on Labor Day. Um, so if, if you want to hear some more from me, that's what you can check out. So Jarrett, this past week, something significant happened. Or I'm told it's significant. Um, Mikhail Gorbachev passed away. And he was a key figure to the Soviet Union in the 1980s. And that's about all I know, because I was born in 1990. So, Jared, you are a history expert. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about why Mikhail Gorbachev was so important? Yeah, Michael, Michael Gorbachev, um, the leader of the Soviet Union, and, uh, you know, the, the last well, president of the Soviet Union before it d- d- dissolved in 1991. Uh, was so, really so for people who are my age... Define the Soviet Union, which I know it's Russia, but why, why right. do we call it Russia today and not the Soviet Union? Go ahead, right. explain so, that for us. Um, 1917, World War One, the Russians, which were uh, you know a monarchy back then, had a king and and everything. They were fighting against the Germans, and they had such a disaster. They, they well, they they didn't lose to the Germans, and the Germans certainly took a lot of losses. They the internal management of the Soviet Union and the large or the, of, of sorry of Russia. Of that time mm-hmm. and the mismanagement and, and the casualties they sustained caused an uprising, which was helped when uh, the Germans uh, the Germans got involved. And a short, mm-hmm. long story short, uh, they had a civil war that lasted in, until the early twenties. It was the the more of the monarchy, the White Army versus the Red Army, the Reds, the Communists, the Bolsheviks. Okay, and uh, the Bolsheviks ended up winning. No surprise. Uh, became the uh, USSR, and throughout the 1930s, Stal- Lenin was was in charge. Then Stalin, mm-hmm. and um, obviously World War II took place. And uh, the during World War II is when they really expanded af- after the the Russians ca- pushed them out of out of out of the out of Russia, mm-hmm. and the, the Russians got a bunch of satellite states by the end of that war. Um, U- Ukraine, um, Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Belarus, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Romania—all those countries—they all became satellites of the Soviet Union. There's lots of there's several several others I'm not mentioning. Um, they they were Soviet satellite states. They were puppet governments more or less that mm-hmm. were controlled by communists, and they were there as a barrier against the NATO forces in uh, in the in the West after World War II. After World War II, yes. And um, in the 50s is when we start to see the beginnings of the, the cracks in the Soviet Union, Hunger, the Hungarian Revolution of 1956. That was crushed by the Soviets, sadly. Hmm. And, um, yeah, uh, communism versus capitalism from that time onwards. And to, to see which government would become yeah. more successful or I, a bigger yeah. player on the world scene. And we have the, the Korean War to thank for the, that. I mean, the communist North Koreans that were funded by the, or not funded by the Russians, but helped by communist, what was then communist China, had mm-hmm. just become communist China after a long civil war. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Russians, I think, uh, wanted to get involved in that. And I'm sure they were supplying weapons and such yeah. against the capitalist south and they almost won if it wasn't for the policing action by the united states and nato that pushed them all the way back up and to the 38th parallel but but that mm-hmm. war has been a steel made every ever since and then vietnam you have the communists coming you know coming trying to control vietnam and that led us into that that murky conflict mm-hmm. and um so i mean they say it was a cold war but 
for America, it really wasn't a Cold War. I mean, we fought several wars against communism, just not Russia. Okay. They're not just not the Soviet Union. That's to say, and um, but the Cold War really refers to the extreme tension we had. Yes. With Russia, it. it I mean, yeah, it was a Cold War, but like I said, the United States went to war over against communism, mm-hmm. not directly Russia, but they they tried and it seemed they somewhat succeeded in Korea and mm-hmm. sadly ended up failing in Vietnam, even though they won militarily, they mm. did lost politically. Yeah. And um, I'm sorry, am I going too deep into this history lesson? No, I'm, I'm finding this really interesting. Okay, um, yeah. It's hard with history because you know, it's hard to know how far back to go sometimes when you talk about history. Yeah, you want to cover all the bases that way everything, you, you know, you know where you're at. Yeah. It's like, oh, I wanted to talk about the 80s, but like you said, okay, 1917, <laughs> but you know what? It's all it's all relevant and yeah, that it, brings it... it so I, and I let's just assume people know about you know Stalin and, and a lot of the World War II right. stuff. Let's let's go towards um, towards the end of the Soviet Union because you said some yeah, of the cracks the, have been um, there. Yeah, um, these smaller Soviet satellite states. Obviously, they didn't exact the people didn't exactly like the communist government. Mm. And um, in fact, some parts of those uh, countries that were already uh, part of the Soviet Union before World War II, they actually welcomed the Nazis. Because they were they were sick of communist rule. I mean, you have to remember the communists under Stalin, they uh, they starved people, famines and yeah. and everything. I mean, huge reforms that killed millions of people. That everyone seems to forget about communism, but mm. uh, they remember it about the fascists, the the Nazis. They remember them killing a bunch of people, but they always conveniently forget that the communists did the same thing, if not on a larger mm. scale, yeah, on a less discriminatory basis. Mm. So you said Gorbachev <laughs> was there. You know, toward the end of the Soviet yeah, Union, okay. but he wasn't just there. I mean, what part did he play in the dissolution? Uh, he was of that? he was the president of the Soviet Union, and um, he went on. I think he went on uh, vacation or something. And there was a coup in 1991, mm. and military officers they they were because they he, Michael Gorbachev wanted to slowly release the or start pulling back the communist aspect of the Soviet Union. He realized that the the Soviet economy was failing then, and um, he realized it wasn't going to work out under mm-hmm. under the communist or government controlled economy. So he yeah. was trying to push for a more conservative economy. And you know, a lot of people in charge they didn't like that. Mm-hmm. So, government, military, and government officials, you know, had a coup in 1991, and um, it was it was really tense for a little bit. People didn't know what was going to happen, and but I mean, it ended up um, Gorbachev. The the conspirators were punished for that. So. And then the Soviet Union really, I mean, they broke up. I mean, uh, let's see, the Berlin Wall had fallen down in 1989, I think. Yeah. It, it, under Gorbachev. and Because um, that's the word that did. Mr. Gorbachev, Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Yeah, Reagan, yeah, Reagan said that. And Kennedy before in Berlin, you mm-hmm. know, his Berlin speech, 1962, 1961, I think. Mm-hmm. Talking about that, and the Berlin Wall was just being built back then. Yeah. So, um, so Michael Gorbachev ordered the East Berlin, uh, the man in charge of East Berlin, I can't recall his name right now, of that time, not to stand up against the protests mm. as they tore the wall down, and, and yeah. that was really the beginning of the end. I mean, for for Soviet, for the Soviet Union is the the unification of East and Western Germany, okay, which hadn't been united since 1945. Yeah. And 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 so from there, um, the Soviet Union was broken up, and those those satellite countries got to be free. Uh, yeah, I mean, they got to start their own governments. Um, 
it was it's, it's a long process to convert but and that's why um i mean the ukraine controlled by the russians they started mm-hmm. their own government mm-hmm. the ukraine yeah and because uh, back then i think russia called them the ukraine yeah because they said you're just a region of russia but nowadays we're supposed to call them U- ukraine yeah if you recognize them as their own sovereign nation yeah back during the soviet days they were the ukraine it was a region of the soviet union more or less and they the ukraine was really important to the soviet union they made a good chunk of their industrial farms and uh not industrial farms but industrial and manufacturing mm-hmm. farming oil and stuff like that in fact when hitler tried to invade the soviet union he wanted to invade south to get the ukraine the oil fields mm-hmm. in the ukraine mm. and and he wasn't able to secure those so hmm. that's what i mean yeah you don't have oil you can't fight a war yeah but um that's just a small footnote yeah can't even run a state if you're california apparently <laughs> <laughs> he was an important guy and he did a lot for the end to contribute to the end of the cold war mm-hmm. and uh you know i i think he was uh I think Reagan helped a lot with that, too. It's right. not just Gorbachev, but Reagan... But it, it would have taken some kind of um, w- willing to set aside the past and move forward and work together to, to d- dissolve the Soviet and, Union. Yeah, and Reagan really helped with that in the 80s. I mean, if you look at... <laughs> what was the... I can't... Goodness, I can't recall his name. The Carter before him. Jimmy Carter? Yeah, what a disaster. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, Reagan... The Soviet Union was doing, I think they were doing better in the 70s, but when Reagan took office, wow, they, he, he reignited that arms race, and the Soviet Union just couldn't pay for it. Hmm. And, and I mean, it was rough for them in that time period when Reagan was president. He put the pressure on them, kind of like Trump put the pressure on, on those foreign countries during his yeah. term in office. Reagan I'm really seeing a lot of parallels there. On, on the Soviet Union. Because people said to Reagan, you're going to get us into a war with Russia, uh, with the USSR, you know, but... He ended up fixing that problem. Yeah, the and, Soviet Union collapsed. I yeah. mean, on its own accord. I mean, they they just they were spending money they didn't have, sort of like we, us now. We just had to outlast but, them. Yeah, we just we, it was who who can who can. But then, last longer. when they finally started to fall apart, we didn't just kick them when they were down. But you have to remember, oh, yeah. the the Soviets got involved in a long, long war in Afghanistan in the eighties, the early eighties. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, the United States supported the. Afghans. They sent them weapons, and hmm. and I'm sure... Kind of like we're doing with Ukraine now, sending a bunch yeah. of aid to them. But then, I mean, that a uh, lot of Taliban, early Taliban fighters fought the Russians in yeah. that Russian-Afghan war. That was really costly for the Afghans and the Russians, hmm. the Soviet troops doing that. But yeah. that, that also helped because there was a huge casualty. It was a lo- really long war, kind of like our war in Afghanistan, except yep. it wasn't... The, the, there was a lot more casualties on both sides than our war in Afghanistan ever hmm. would uh, would have suggested. Well, I've I just seen a lot of Trump parallels because people said this stuff about Trump, like, oh, he's going to get us in World War III. You know, he's going to start a war with, with Russia or start a war with North Korea or start a war, you know, um, with China. And, you know, in all, in all these fronts, Trump was actually really good at foreign policy, just like, you know, kind of like Reagan was, surprisingly good at all that stuff. And all these foreign countries, they didn't want to... Re- I mean, North Korea, if they had wanted to go to war with us, they would have been wiped off the map. Hmm. I mean, sure, they probably would have gotten one or two missiles off, and yeah. maybe South Korea would have been pretty badly damaged, but you but wouldn't that, have to worry about them anymore because they would have been wiped. But in, <laughs> Right, but see, that's the thing. Trump got him. We, we knew we could have beat him if it came to that, but Trump was able to get a peaceful resolution. And, and Trump didn't want a war with them either. He, he I mean, right. people were like, you're going to get us in, into a war, but... 
you don't want to be you don't want to be a yeah. Chamberlain but when they, dealing with your enemies either. They forget that when, like when Obama was president, we had all these for years. It was like Kim Jong Un, and before that, Kim Jong Il, I think. But Kim Jong Un, you know, they're testing more rockets to send a ballistic missile into you know they could shoot it into California. There were fears that there was going to be a a conflict with North Korea just because that guy over there was a nut job, and then Trump came in. And he was willing to negotiate with this yeah. nut job. Oh, you're too nice to Kim Jong-un. I'm like, what do you people want? Do you want war? <laughs> okay, well, we're going to have to wrap it up there. But just one last question for you, Jarrett. Um, so what? The, the fact that Gorbachev passed away this past week, I mean, this is... I think there's been a lot of attention paid to it. Is it because he represents the end of an era? Yeah, um, I mean, Reagan's already, Reagan died quite a long time ago, and Gorbachev... Uh, the last leader of the Soviet Union. I mean, the whole 20th century is the Soviet Union, more or less, versus the United States. Yep. 80 years of that was. So, uh, yeah, he really does represent the end of, of an era in terms of foreign policy, economics, and world issues, wars, conflicts, and everything. I mean, it the collapse of the Soviet Union was big, and it, it's led to more conflict than, I think, new conflicts that we can't we look to the past to to understand this but the collapse of the soviet union is really the end of an era Mm -hmm. Uh, two large factions nations facing off against each other and now there's just one nation and we're failing kind of sort of yeah and nato is they're kind of i mean they're all kind of united but they're they're horribly corrupt and falling apart in every way kind of like us and now you have Russia, and they're obviously weak. And I, I'm sorry, I'm getting off track again. But, but, yeah, but here's how this all ties together. You know, so we saw Gorbachev. He had a bit of a Humpty Dumpty administration that everything kind of fell apart there towards the end. And sadly, that's what we see happening with America, too. And my fear is that regardless of who becomes president next, are we going to be able to put this egg back together again? Well, I'm going to tell everyone thanks for listening to Fake News. A fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. And this has been Luke Taylor, along with my friend, Jarrett Frill. And Jarrett, thanks for being with us on the show today. Thanks for having me again. And I'm going to remind everyone, if you hear anybody saying that Mount Rushmore is racist, that's just fake news. Brian Stelter has left the building. I can't wait to be watching CNN, seeing what happens in the future. I'm going to be rooting for it. I want CNN to be strong. I believe America needs CNN to be strong. I believe the free world needs CNN to be strong. And it will continue to be. For Reliable Sources, for the last time, I'm Brian Stelter. Thanks for being with us. Ever since new CNN president Chris Licht entered office, he stepped into a mess. The house was a mess, and now he's cleaning it out. CNN, once the most trusted name in news, was in a ratings free fall. Its host had become a joke, and its reputation was in the gutter. And that most trusted name in news slogan, that's what CNN likes to say about themselves. And like everything else they say, it's the opposite of reality. Chris Lick took over for former CNN president Jeff Zucker when he was found to have violated the company's policy on the ethics of sexual relationships with employees. Zucker is now embroiled in a legal battle with Chris Cuomo, who he had earlier fired from CNN for violating the company's policy on the ethics of sexual relationships with employees. 
Chris Cuomo had already debased himself by reporting all year long in 2020 on his brother, the governor, Andrew Cuomo, who is governor of New York and forced to step down for harassment of his female secretaries, which violated New York's policies on the ethics of sexual relationships with employees, surprising the rest of the country that New York had any ethical standards to begin with. Cuomo was fired back in December, along with CNN producer John Griffin, who was indicted by a grand jury for attempting to have sexual relationships with children. Meanwhile, Stelter wasn't the only CNN employee to get the axe. Jeffrey Tubin was also fired the same week. Tubin was a longtime CNN contributor who brought embarrassment to the network after violating their policies on the ethics of sexual... I'll just let you Google it if you really want to know. Stelter's firing comes unsurprisingly as new CNN president Chris Licht has made it clear that he wants to fix CNN's reputation for being a fake news network that also sometimes hires potatoes. And so the names and faces most associated with that identity are being shown the door. After the losses of Zucker, Cuomo, and Tubin in the past year, it was clear that Stelter's days were numbered. And he wasn't fired for lying too much, or for being 36 but looking like he's 63, or for too many stories about how he cried himself to sleep and wept for his pre-pandemic life. No, those things can't get you kicked off the air at CNN. Stelter was fired for getting worse ratings than a White House live stream. And bad ratings are truly the only thing that can get you fired at CNN, other than violating their policy on the ethics of sexual relationships with employees. This is Luke Taylor, and welcome to a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast.